Canby New Life Foursquare Church welcomes you. We're located at 2350 Southeast Territorial Road, just off Highway 99E. We hope the following message will be a blessing to you. So that's a plus. It's a big plus. And so they, they, they got here late last night. And uh, Sheldon and, and Heidi pastor the Hilo Foursquare Church, New Hope Foursquare Church, a, a church that we have been so blessed, Annette and I have been so blessed to be connected to over the last, I think, 15 years. And uh, there's just been a great exchange of, of friendship, a great exchange of of uh, love and prayer toward each other and just a, just relationship. And uh, I, I'm so happy that uh, Sheldon's here tonight. Sheldon is a great leader. He and his wife do a wonderful job touching the community of Hilo, not only the community, but the islands as well. And they really have a heart for the world. And so what you're going to hear tonight is coming from the heart of an individual who loves the Lord and he loves the body of Christ and he loves people. And so we're so thankful that you're here, Sheldon and Heidi. And this is the church that Becca is going to be going to in the middle of August. So our daughter is going to be going there, and our son has already spent time there when Sheldon was the youth pastor. Uh, we pray for you when he was there every day. We pray for you, and so we do again today. But would you welcome uh, Sheldon Laxina? Would you do that? You got it. Yeah. Thank you. Well, I just want to welcome my wife also and have you an opportunity to greet her. So, Heidi, could you stand, please? This is my wife, Heidi. And so I'm sure you already know the one word that everyone around the world knows. Aloha. Okay, good job. If you missed it, that's okay. You'll catch up with it. You know, I love coming here and, and visiting. In fact, the first time my wife and I came up here, we fell in love with the place but it wasn't just the place, really it's the people, and you guys are just wonderful people. And we hear about people coming to Hawaii and saying, wow, what wonderful people. But you have wonderful people here too. Now I'm sure there are a couple, maybe one or two, that may not be as wonderful. That's okay. That's why Jesus came, so that we could love everyone. <laughs> just to give you a little background, I uh, grew up on Oahu, the island of Oahu, and then moved up to the big island where I now live. Uh, at that time, my wife and I met. I was in the seventh grade. She was in the eighth grade. So we've been together for 25 years, been married for 18. We have two children. One is 22, got married last year in January, had my grandson in November, and I have my 15-year-old who's still at home. That's it in a nutshell. So if you have any questions, email me because I can't answer them all tonight. But that's basically where we're at. Uh, we've been pastoring our church as a senior pastor for about a year. So this past year has been wonderful. Uh, we went through a transition with our senior pastor, who is now our uh, district supervisor, uh, Alex Pacheco, if you've heard of him. Uh, pastor Ron is a good friend of his. So uh, there's some things that happened in this past year that we've learned and has just been on this wild ride. And I love uh, doing what I do. I love being a part of the ministry. I love being around people. And uh, I think every single person uh, has that kind of purpose in life. And you've been in this uh, season of touchable uh, Jesus, touchable church. And that's basically what it comes down to. Really, God's purpose in our life is to love Him and love people. At everything that we do, in everything that we do as a people that recognize God as their, as their God or Jesus as their Lord and Savior, we understand that we're made with a purpose. And so having that theme, touchable Jesus, touchable church, touchable Christ, 
we understand that that's why Jesus touched our lives, so that we could touch the entire world. And it starts with our very own family. And so each and every one of us has that kind of uh, uh, calling on our life to touch others' lives. It's not just for us. If God's only purpose was to get you to heaven, you'd be dead the instant you accepted Him. You'd be with Him in heaven. But He's given us a greater purpose. And so tonight we're going to talk a little bit about uh, just being touched by Christ. And so you have your bulletin and so you can take some notes. And these notes are for you. Sometimes you'll take notes and say, perfect for my husband. This would be great for him or perfect for my wife. But this is for us tonight, the touchable Christ. What does it mean that, that Christ touches my life? Is it an emotional thing? Is it something that, uh, that the church imposes on people or purposefully does so that people get an emotional uh, feeling? What does it mean to be touched by Christ? You see, every single one of us will be touched by Christ. The question is, what will we do after that? We watch this show, and maybe you have, called The Biggest Loser. The Biggest Loser is about maintaining a healthy lifestyle. And what they do is they have these contestants who, who come on this show and they help them to eat healthy. And a lot of them, what they're doing is they're seeing who can lose the most body weight percentage-wise. And so my wife and I will watch this and be inspired because the number, one, uh, the number one thought that everyone has around the time of January with a resolution is to lose weight. And it's not necessarily because we're overweight, it's because we ate so much during Thanksgiving and, and Christmas. And so now we're here in this new year saying we want to eat healthier, we want to lose the weight that we had during this past year. And so many of these contestants will go on. Well, it does inspire you because you hear a lot about what they're doing. But if you see what they have to go through, these guys are all day running, uh, lifting weights, jogging, hiking. They're training hour after hour and sweating bullets. They're dying in there. And then they come to this one place where they call the weigh-in. They call it the weigh-in at the end of the week. They stand on the scale and they see how much weight they lost. And some of them will lose 5 pounds. Some of them lose 27 pounds in one week. I thought 27, that's taking me 10 years to lose 27 pounds. But they lose it in a week. But it's not the easiest thing to do. They struggle with just losing that much weight. Now you and I understand that it's not just about what we look on the outside. That God looks at what's happening on the inside at the heart. You see, when Jesus touches someone's life, he doesn't touch us on the outside. He doesn't want us to look good on the outside. Although that's a great thing to do. He always looks at touching the heart of a person. Jesus gives us opportunities to be touched by Him every single day. And although it may be a struggle after being touched by Christ to make certain adjustments in our life, just like this health and fitness kind of program, we still struggle with the things that God has called us to do. Whether I'm a husband... Whether you're a wife, son, or a daughter, we still struggle with the same things. Now, Christ touches us in a way that, that we can understand. The problem is not that we don't understand that God loves us. The problem is, are we willing to be changed by Him? If you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to turn there to Jeremiah chapter 18. And I'll read from verses 1 to 6. If not, if you don't have your Bibles, that's okay. I'll, I'll read it to you. And this is a story about the potter's house. 
And if you've heard this story before, I love this story because it talks about God molding us and shaping us. It's kind of like in fitness. When you're being shaped by all these different uh, exercise programs, you're, it's not the easiest thing in the world. You're dying. You are dying. But the end result is always good. You become more healthier. You become stronger. You're a type of person who are doing, you're doing things that you've never done before. And so now here's Jeremiah the prophet and he's, it's kind of like he's complaining to God. We know him as the weeping prophet. That's why we have the book of Lamentations because he, he, was, he lamented after Jerusalem and the things that were going on. And so now we have Jeremiah the prophet who is coming to God and saying some things and, and there's some things that he's crying out to in his heart to God himself. And so the word, I'll read from uh, verse 1 to 6 in Jeremiah chapter 18. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause you to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and there he was, making something at the wheel. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. And so he made it again into another vessel, as it seemed good to the potter to make. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter, says the Lord. Look, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. You know what you're made out of when you're squeezed. You really know what you're made out of when you're squeezed. Easy to live a life when it's smooth. Difficult when you're squeezed. Because you know what's going to happen. You know what can happen. You know that there's a fear of failure. You know there's a fear of being embarrassed. You know there's a fear of not becoming who other people want you to be. It's a difficult thing when you're squeezed. It's a difficult thing when God tries to mold us and shape us. It's very difficult. Because it goes against the grain of human nature. While my, my wife and I watched this sh these shows uh, and try to eat healthy, I remember we were uh, doing our very best to eat healthy. And so we made this commitment with each other. We're going to stay away from sweets and you know, starches and all of these things. And so we were on this commitment. Well, I took my younger son to the, uh, to the mall. We were walking around and we passed my favorite dessert place called Cinnabon. And I'm passing this place and they have some kind of chemical in there that just, just tweaks your brain a little bit. And now you're, you're just stuck on this scent. Like you can smell it through everything else. And so we're passing by Cinnabon. They should, they should spell it S-I-N, a bond, because that's what it feels like. And so I'm passing Cinnabon, and, and I'm looking at them making this thing, and, and all of that sugar and cinnamon, and I'm dying on the inside. And, and so my son is with me, and I said, you want to get some Cinnabon? And he said, oh yeah, sure. And so we got a Cinnabon, and, and, uh, and we're eating, and I'm just about to dig into mine, and he says, hey, are you supposed to be eating this? I said, yeah. Why? And he said, I thought, I thought, um, I thought you and mom said you're not going to eat sweets and things. I said, yeah, but I'm with you. We're spending, you know, father and son time. Come on, son. It's, it's our bonding time. It's, it's okay. And he says, but didn't you say you weren't going to? I said, yeah, but mom's not going to know. And this is my son. He goes, oh, you're right. <laughs> then he looks at me and goes, but God knows. <laughs> and I thought, boy, he, he's on to something. And I thought about it this way. You know, the things that we go through, 
as difficult as it may be, as challenging as it may be, when God speaks something to me and I take that shortcut, nobody else will know. But God knows. See, God speaks things to us for a reason. There's a purpose why He molds us and shapes us. And if you're taking notes, I want to encourage you in this way. And the first thing, you can write this in, is when God speaks, as the Bible says, arise and go. Arise and go. See, after the Lord speaks, arise and go. We all can reach our God-given potential by cooperating with God as He touches our lives. As we arise and go, God's going to do certain things in our life. And you and I will be challenged every single day. See, I, I will not know what God is doing in my life after He touches my life if I don't go and do something about it. I can sit, I can think, I can, I can contemplate, but if I don't do something about what God is asking me to do, nothing changes. We don't change for the purpose of being better than someone else. We change for the purpose of being marred, being molded and shaped into the image of God that He sees for us. There's a greater purpose for our lives. It doesn't matter what age we're at. We could be a young adult, we could be a senior. It, it doesn't matter on age. God is in the business of molding us. He's the potter, we're the clay. Why should we say to the potter, what are you doing in my life? He's saying, look, I'm touching your life for a reason. Cooperate with me. But when I speak to you, arise and go. How often as a husband, God will say, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church, that He gave Himself up for it. And I say, yes, but what about her? I'm not talking to her, I'm talking to you. As a husband, love your wife. Do not treat them harshly. Yes, but it would be so much easier if they were like this. He says, I'll take care of them. I'm speaking to you. When God speaks as, to you as a wife, when He says, wives, Submit yourselves unto your husbands as unto the Lord. Yeah, I would do that only if my husband did this and did that. Only if he, if he loved you the way I would want him to love you, then it would be easy to submit. But what God is saying is, I'm not asking you to do that. I'm asking you to submit under the authority that I've given to you. And we have a hard time with that because our human minds come into play. But the Lord is saying, listen, when I speak, arise and go. It's that simple. You see, we're stuck in the disciplines of life that says, I don't want to work out. I don't want to sweat. It's too difficult. It's too hard. But what God is saying is, I want you to cooperate. I'm molding you and shaping you. I'm touching your life for a purpose. There's a reason for it. Arise and go. Do we arise as a man of God and do the things God asked us to do? As a church, do we do the things that God asked us to See, the potter, the potter speaks. The question is, are we obeying what He's asking us to do as a man of God, as a woman of God, as a brother or a sister in Christ? Are we doing the things that God has spoken to us already? You know, we talk about the ten lepers and we talk about God's healing and, and how Jesus touched lives and, and how He was the only one who would touch a leper physically. But not only that, it, he had so much power and love and compassion that he was able to touch people and they were healed because of his power. Just a touch of Christ. And so here's these ten lepers and Jesus, Jesus tells them, go show yourself to the priest to make sure that everything's good because that's how they were in those days. The priests were like the doctors. You know, go show yourself to the priest and you'll be made well. Well, ten of them go and, and not all of them come back. But a few of them do. 
And they come to the Lord and they say, Lord, we've, we've been healed. Luke 17, 14. He looked at them and said, Go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, their leprosy, what happened? Disappeared. Normally we think of a healing as God will do something and then we're healed. But do you know there's many times that the healing takes place as we go in obedience, not just a ticket of heal my life. Because we always pray that, Lord, help my, help my heart, heal my heart, heal my hurts, my past mistakes, heal me, heal me. And then he speaks something, he says, okay, go ask for forgiveness. Ooh, that's difficult. Well, you know what? As you go, you'll be healed. I help my marriage, okay? Here's some things I'm asking you to do. Go get some counseling. Oh, I don't want to. I'm embarrassed to do so. Well, you know, as you go, you'll be healed. You see, we struggle with the potter. We struggle with the touch of God because we don't understand what's coming after. We cannot see the beautiful vase that's going to be finished. We cannot see the beautiful pottery that's done. We see the marred clay. We see the lump of clay and he's saying, look, there's things that I want to do in your life that you cannot see and this is required. Arise and go. There's an obedience that takes place, an obedience that needs to happen in order for the next thing to take place in our life. We were uh, probably, I think it was a Saturday night. My wife and I got into this big argument and so now here we are Sunday morning and we weren't speaking through the whole night come Sunday morning you know come to church and put on the smiley faces and everything's you know wonderful and so we're there doing worship and we're singing uh, one of the songs you know God can make it right right now he's got the power to change your life he has that song so we're, I'm singing that song and I'm thinking yes you do have the power to change my life change hers too you have the power to change her life. I love this song because there's an opportunity for her to listen to this song. And I'm hoping that she's hearing this song and I'm kind of peeking at her. Yes, she's worshiping Him. Oh, thank you, Lord. Her heart is going to change. It's going to be softened and molded. And then she's going to ask me for forgiveness. She's going to say, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry I was wrong. Forgive me. And I'm thinking, yes. And, and, and then as we're going through worship, there's another song, you know, change my heart, oh God, make it ever true. Change my heart, oh God, may I be like you. And so I'm, I'm, I'm just in worship and I'm so thankful that there's this song. And I'm thinking, this is perfect. This is the perfect worship songs for her. This is wonderful. May I be like you. You are the potter, I am the clay. And I'm peeking and I'm looking at her and she's raising her hands. And I'm thinking, oh, God is touching her life. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. This is going to be a beautiful day. And so I'm thinking, maybe I should grab her hand. No, I can't grab her hand because if I grab her hand, I might interfere with what God is doing and then we're messed up. So I'll let you do what you're going to do in her heart and then we'll be fine. You're, you are the potter. I am the clay. Mold me and change me. This is what I pray. Change her heart, oh God. And I'm thinking all of this. He knows my heart. This is what I'm actually saying. And so we're done. And I'm thinking, oh, this is perfect. And so we have our greeting time and we turn toward each other. And, and I'm thinking, okay, say it. What are you going to say to me? And she just hugs me like a regular. Good morning. And I said, good morning. Anything you want to say? I'm just thinking this. But she actually does. She says, you know what? I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry about last night. And I said, it's okay. It's okay. And then we we're done. And then this is what the Lord spoke to me. I remember that right after she said it, He said this. 
I did something in her, but you missed what I was doing in you. I said, but everything's good now. He said, no, no, no. She's good. We have a problem here. <laughs> so, and I thought, what did you want me to do? You know what he wanted me to do? He wanted me to obey him. See, he spoke things to me too. But I just thought it was too difficult. It was hard for me to do what he was asking me to do. But do you know where the blessing comes in? Look, look at what John thirteen seventeen says. It says, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you, what? Do them. See, it's, it's as I go that the touch of Christ brings me life. We're, we live in a fallen society. We are fallen creatures. So we're going to have mistakes. We're going we're gonna to make mistakes. We're going to struggle with obedience. But the potter says, listen, if you want me to touch your life, I can. But if it only stops there, then you'll never become all that I'm making you to be. You will only attend church, not be the church. You see, church is not a place we go to. Church is something we are. And if Christ indeed is the head of the church, then you know what? We're, gonna, we're going to suffer just like how He did. We're going to go through those times where we struggle like He did before the Father and ask ourselves, is, is there something you're doing in my life that I'm not catching? I, I don't know if I can endure this suffering, but not my will, God. Your will be done in my life. So you know what? And when Christ touches our life, here it is, number two, that... We must endure suffering. We must endure suffering. I will need to endure suffering. As difficult as life is already, there's suffering included in it. As difficult it is to, to have a family and raise a family and, and keep everyone going well, we also suffer in life. It's a part of who we are. Do you know that the clay, when it's placed on that wheel, that it doesn't stay the same? Under the master's care, it doesn't stay the same. There's a molding and shaping that happens. And that's what God was speaking to Jeremiah. He was saying, listen, there's some things that I'm doing in your life that require some suffering. It's going to be difficult. But when you endure this suffering, there's something beautiful that comes out of that. Or you can just stay a lump of clay. It's up to you. It's really your choice. Either you can become someone beautiful for me, or you can stay a lump of clay. But listen, in the world, too many lumps of clay. Too many. That's why Jesus came. He came to set us free from being lumps of clay in the world. See, when Jesus looks at a lump of clay, He sees the beautiful vase. He sees the arrangements that can be done. He sees all of that. He sees what we can become. That's why He touches our life in that kind of way. Because He understands who we're becoming. See, it's not suffering that we look forward to. We look forward to the victories. We look forward to the end of the game, like this past week where, if you watch the Lakers, Ron Artest shot that, you know, shot and made the winning shot and, and now they're advancing more. And, and we like the victories. We like triumphing. We love the trophies of life. Everyone stands in line for accolades. Not too many people in the line of suffering. In fact, the one that stood in the line of suffering, his name is Jesus Christ. That he stood in that line so that 
that He could show us the way in how to live a life that was pleasing to God. Oh, will it, will it have some suffering with it? Absolutely. He modeled that for us. He actually told us, in this world, you have much tribulation. We live in a crooked and perverse generation. And so Jesus paves the way, but He understood what was about to happen after that. He knew that suffering was a part of it. Because suffering shapes us. And it's not, it's not necessarily the suffering that actually shapes us. It's what we learn from suffering that shapes us. It's through the process of, of what we're learning. It's through the process of being marred and, and being, being molded. And what are we learning through that process? Because many of us will go through the same things over and over and never learn a thing. It's like the potter has to put us back on the wheel, mold us again and shape us. He says, you're not learning anything. What are you learning? Did you catch anything? Jesus, while He walked this earth in Hebrews 5 verses 7 and 8, He offered prayers and pleadings with a loud cry and tears to the one who could deliver Him out of death. And God heard His prayers because of His reverence for God. So even though Jesus was God's Son, He learned obedience from the things He suffered. You see, some of us suffer financially because we keep making bad financial decisions. Some of us suffer health-wise because we still make the same uh, uh, decisions health-wise. Some of us suffer, suffer from our relationships because we keep doing the same things over and over. Maybe we suffer at our jobs or in our marriage, our family. And nothing takes place for the better because we don't learn from our suffering. Most of the times we actually bail out before the lesson. You see, Jesus suffered for us. And He understood what that was all about. Romans 5, verse 3 to 5, it says, Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out His love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom He has given us. You see, the touch of Christ never takes place in our lives, not because we're not being touched, but because we don't learn from our suffering. We don't learn from it. How many times as, as kids, when we were growing up, if we got a spanking from mom or dad, we don't learn. We still do the same things over and over. I remember my oldest son, when he was about maybe seven years old, he did some things and it required a spanking. And so we had this little, this little stick, it was kind of like a paint stick, that we would just swat him on his butt. And so I called him into the room and I said, Justin, you're going to get one swat because you didn't listen. And so he came to me and he stood there and I said, Kate, turn around. And I explained to him what was happening and the discipline. And, and so he turned around and tightened up. And then I went to swat him on his butt and he blocked it with his hands. Now, you and I know as parents that when they do that, it doesn't count. So, I said, I said, Justin, move your hands because you've got to get a swat. And he goes, but you gave it. I said, no, you blocked it. <laughs> that don't count. And so, same thing. And I guess natural tendency is to block. And so, he blocked it again. I said, Justin, I'm just going to give you one spanking. Just one. And then you're done. And he struggled with that. He says, no, Daddy, no, I'm going to listen. I'm going to listen, Daddy, please don't. I said, I understand. I understand, but I'm going to give you one swat and that's it. He goes, no, Daddy, please, Daddy, no, please, Daddy. Daddy, I don't want it. I said, don't, don't cry. Don't cry. And I'm calm. Don't cry. 
He says, yeah, my dad, I'm done already. You already spanked me. I said, no, no, I didn't. I got to hit your butt. There's more meat there. I hit your wrist. You're going to break your hand. Then they're going to call the cops and all this stuff. So let's not go that direction. Just turn around. And he said, no, daddy, I don't want to daddy, no. daddy, please. I said, no, don't cry. Don't, I don't, why are you crying? Why are you crying? Psychologically damning, damaging my child at this point. Why are you crying? I don't want to get spanking. I said, then why did you do it? I don't know. I'm going to listen next time. I'm going to listen. Daddy, please, daddy. No, I said, I'm going to, I got to spank you. Daddy, please. No, daddy. Daddy, daddy, please. I said, why are you crying? I can't breathe. I can't breathe. I said, what am I doing to you? I'm not even, I can't, I can't breathe, daddy. Daddy, I can't breathe, daddy, please. No. Daddy, no. Daddy. I said, what are you crying for? Why are you crying? I said, now I got to spank you. And he starts crawling on the ground. Daddy, no. Daddy, no. I said, just skip still. And I'm trying to spank his butt, but I can't. No, I, can't. Oh, I, can't. I can't breathe. I can't move. My leg is numb. My leg is numb. Daddy, I can't move. I said, just stop. I'll just give you one spanking. And then he says this, God, God, help me, God. And I said, are you serious? You want God to help you? Let me get the Bible. So I go and get the Bible and I bring up Proverbs. And it says, he who, he who spares the rod spoils the child. The Bible says I must spank you. No. And then we we're done. We we're fine. And I was fine. He's psychologically damaged to this day. And we're fine. I explained everything to him. And we we're good after that. And, and this is what we both learned from that. It's never pleasant in the disciplines. It's never pleasant. But do you know afterwards, after the discipline, that's what I was looking for as a father. It's helping him to understand decisions. Helping him to understand that when you make a decision, it affects the rest of your life. And so the disciplines that were being made was done out of love. I'm sure there could be some correction there as a father in the method, but nonetheless, the discipline was done in love. And God disciplines those He loves. You see, when we're going through all of the things that we're suffering, we don't just suffer for the sake of suffering. We actually choose to suffer because suffering produces something. Now you might be thinking, well, I, you know, I've had some things that happened in my life and you know, I'm just grieving right now and so I'm suffering. Listen, grief and suffering are two different things. Grief is a one-time event or for an, an event. Suffering we choose. There's a difference. I lose someone in my family, a loved one, I grieve. But when I'm being disciplined and I'm going through some things and God is trying to correct in my life, trying to mold me and shape me, I choose to suffer under the mighty hand of God or humble myself under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt me in the due time. See, suffering is a part of being a disciple of Christ. We choose to suffer. Now, not just for as, a, as oh, I'm suffering today. I'm suffering. Why? I, I work under Pastor Ron. I'm suffering today. <laughs> but the hope is that I'll be promoted. I'm suffering and we can really play the pity party. But God knows our heart. See, Christ learned obedience through the things that He suffered. He understood that it produces something. And so how do we process all of this? 
knowing that, yes, there's going to be some suffering. Yes, God's going to speak and we're going to arise and, and be obedient to Him. But knowing that this is, and here's the last thing, and number three, and this is where the relationship comes in. Welcome His touch. Welcome His touch. Because if you've ever watched a potter with clay, it is, it is amazing that they take this lump of clay and as they're molding it and shaping it, it looks like they've got something beautiful already. Then they add some more water and then they press it again and then it gets all lumpy again and then they keep doing the same thing over and over. And I'm thinking, when are you finished? I mean, it looks good to me. But you know, for the potter, he sees the finished product already in here. He knows what it's supposed to look like. And so he keeps doing the same thing over and over, getting all the air out, getting all the lumps out, every single grain that has not been watered down, all the, all the fine granules that are not molded, moldable yet. He keeps doing that over and over because he, he knows what the end result looks like. God the Father is no different for He knows the plans that He has for us or the thoughts that He thinks towards us. They're for good, not for calamity to give us a future, to give us a hope. See, when we're going through suffering and we welcome His touch, what we're saying is, I, I trust what you're doing in my life. That you're not just touching me because of an emotional thing that I want to happen or you want to happen in my life. There's a relationship that's being built here. And so as you're touching my life and molding me, you're molding me to become your church. You're not molding me just to be a nice vessel that sits on the shelf. See, Christ touches us so we can touch the world. It's that simple. But if I'm stuck on the shelf trying to deal with my own things, I can never impact another person's life. Yeah, but I'm dealing with so many things. Welcome His touch. Welcome His touch. I would rather allow Jesus to come into my life and touch my life in such a way that helps me to become all that I'm supposed to be rather than everyone else to come in. Sure, we'll get counseling and we'll, we'll get all of those things. But welcome the touch of Christ. If anyone should come into our life and, and mold us and shape us, it should be Jesus Christ. He's the one we can trust. And this is who He gives to us. He says in John 16, 13, When the Spirit of truth comes... He will guide you into all truth. He will not be presenting His own ideas. He will be telling you what He has heard. He will tell you about the future. You know what God does? He gives us the, the person of the Holy Spirit to guide our lives unto all truth. So He's going to speak truth to us so that He can tell us what's going to happen in the end. It's not about fortune telling. It's not about reading your life. It's about giving you a hope. But as a husband, this is who I'm making you to be. Yeah, but it's tough. No, no, no. Choose to suffer. Because in the end, I'm making your marriage into something beautiful. It's hard right now as a dad, of my teenager. Yeah, but as a father, stay connected. Why? Because I'm making something beautiful for your future. Because you're going to have, you're going to have a relationship with your kids as they get older. Then you're going to have grandchildren. You want to keep that relationship. And so he, he gives us hope for the future. It's not just for today. When it becomes difficult for today and we choose to suffer, welcome is touched because he's doing something for the future. There's something there. This is not the end. This is a process 
to become who we're supposed to be. See, I, I like uh, watching that video of Jerusalem and you see the, them carrying the lambs and we see the pictures of the shepherd carrying the lamb with a little, uh, like a little splint on the lamb's leg. And we understand that the shepherd, after he sees this one lamb continuously straying from the flock, will actually take that lamb, break its leg, bind it up, make it better and carry this lamb because if this lamb continues to stray, that's who the wolf will attack. And so he carries this lamb for a couple weeks until that lamb is ready to walk again. But you know, after the weeks of, of carrying this lamb, you know when he releases this lamb and, and unties that splint on this lamb? After he releases this lamb, guess where the lamb stays? Right next to the shepherd. Because there's a relationship that was built. The lamb understands that his leg or her leg was broken because of love. Because straying away from the shepherd was more harmful than a broken leg. There's times where God will break us. But as we sang earlier, it's not to break us, it's to break through. Because there's something that He's doing. It's called building a relationship with us. God is not just in the business to fix us. He's in the business of forming a relationship with us for the, for the rest of eternity. Welcome His touch. He's doing something in here. Romans 9 verse 20, it says, But who are you, O man, to talk back to God? Shall what is formed say to Him who formed it, Why did you make me like this? Does not the potter have the right to make out of the same lump of clay some pottery for noble purposes and some for common use? You see, we all have different character traits, personalities, different demeanors. Some on the side of good and some maybe not so good. Maybe we're working on it. But we're all getting better in the hands of the potter. See, God doesn't shape us into something we're not. He's making us into something we're supposed to be. He's making us into something that maybe we cannot see. There was this car that pulled up in front of us while we're going on the highway. So we were going about 45 miles an hour. And I had my son in the car seat. So this was maybe about 20 years ago. And, and so he, he pulled up right in front of us. And I had to almost slam my brakes. And so, and this is a double lane highway. So I pulled around him. And you know how you give him the eye? You just kind of stare him down. And I'm driving and I can't see because it's a little dark. And so I'm trying to get his, you know, get some contact so I can, in Hawaii we say, what? You know, this kind of thing like that. And so we're driving and he starts to speed up to get away from us. I chase him down. And my wife says, no, let him go. Let him go. Forget about it. I said, no, I know. I'm just going to let him know not to do that. And she says, just let it go. But I couldn't, you know. And I was attending church at that time too, so... I'm, I'm, I'm following him and we, I follow him all the way to our, our plaza, our mall. And I cut him off. And he's, he's right, right on the side of me and I'm facing this way and I cut him off. And he stops. It's like a movie. And, I, and, and so we're, I'm staring at him and, and I start to roll down my window. It wasn't electric back then, so I'm rolling down my window trying to be cool. You know, let it go down a little bit. Make it real smooth. So it's going down, and I just stare at him. And then he, he kind of reversed and went the other way, and, 
And so I'm trying to be all, you know, scary looking. And so I'm rolling it up very slow, but it got stuck. And so it's like, come on, look. And so it went up and, and we were done. And then my wife said, what good did that do? I said, I'm just letting you know that I, I'm not messing around here. And then as we're driving away, I, I really felt the Lord saying, is that you? Is that who you want to be? I said, yeah, but this guy put on, and I'm, so I'm, I'm justifying my actions, grumbling with the Lord as I'm driving. And this is what he says. That's not going to be the last time that happens. You're going to have more encounters than that. Is, is that who you want to be? Because that's not who I'm making you to be. You have a choice. Either you can be that person or you can be who I made you to be, who I'm making you to be. Are you going to welcome my touch or are you going to stay, going to stay the lump of clay? Oh, it's your choice. And it's like it was, a, it was a moment for me to make a decision. And I remember saying to myself in my heart, I said, then Lord, I, whatever you want to do in my life, mold me and shape me more into your image. Touch my life in such a way that I can become all you made me to be. Someone said it like this, that it's not who you are that really matters in the world. It's who God is making you to be that matters for all of eternity. Ephesians says it like this, 2.10, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the things He planned for us long ago. Allow God to create in us anew and you in Christ so that we can do the things, the good things that He planned in us long ago. You see, if I don't allow Christ to touch my life, then I won't be effective as a church. Because listen, we are the church, not the building. We understand that. Let Jesus touch your heart. See, when I allow the touch of Christ to shape me, it'll be the church that God uses to shape the world that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You agree with that? Amen. Amen. You can close your Bibles and put away your notes. I'll just conclude with this story. Once there were three trees on a hill in the woods and they were discussing their hopes and their dreams. When the first tree said, you know, someday I hope to be a treasure chest. I could be filled with gold, silver, and precious gems. I could be decorated with intricate carvings and, and everyone would see my beauty. But the second tree said, well, some, someday I will be a mighty ship. And I, I will take kings and queens across the waters and, and sail to the corners of the world. Everyone will feel safe in me because of the strength of my hull. Well, the third tree said, Well, I want to grow to be the tallest and straightest tree in the forest. People will see me on top of the hill and, and look upon my branches and, and think of the heavens and God and, and how close to them I am reaching. I will be the greatest tree of all time and, and people will always remember me. Well, after a few years of praying that their dreams would come true, a group of woodsmen came upon the trees. When one came to the first tree, he said, Well, this looks like a strong tree. I, I think I should be able to sell the wood to a carpenter. 
and he began cutting it down. Well, the tree was happy because he knew that the carpenter would make him into a treasure chest. Well, at the second tree, the woodsman said, well, this looks like a strong tree. I should be able to sell this to the shipyard. Well, the second tree was happy because he knew that he was on his way to the shipyard to become a mighty ship. When the woodsman came upon the third tree, the tree was frightened because he knew that, that if he cut him down, then he would never become all he dreamed of. He would not come true. Well, the woodsman said, you know, I don't need anything special from my tree, so I'll just take this one. And he cut it down. When the first tree arrived at the carpenter's, he was made into a feed box for animals. No treasure chest there. He was then placed in a barn and filled with hay. This was not at all what he had prayed for. So the second tree was cut and made into a small fishing boat. His dreams of becoming a mighty ship and carrying kings ended. The third tree was cut into large pieces and left alone in the dark. Where the years went by and the trees forgot all about their dreams. And then one day a man and woman came to the barn. She gave birth. And they placed the baby in the hay in the feed box that was made from the first tree. The man wished he could have made a crib for the baby, but, but this manger would do. The tree, the tree could feel the importance of this event and, and knew that it held the greatest treasure of all time. Years later, a group of men got in the fishing boat made from the second tree. One of them was, was tired and, and went to sleep. While they were out on the water, a great storm arose and the tree didn't think it was strong enough to keep everyone safe. The men woke the sleeping man and the sleeping man came up and said, Peace, be still. And the storm stopped. At this time, the tree knew that it had carried the king of kings in his boat. Finally, someone came and, and got the third tree. It was carried through the streets as the people mocked the man who was carrying it. And when they came to a stop, the man was nailed to that tree and raised in the air to die at the top of the hill. When Sunday came, the tree realized that it was strong enough to stand at the top of the hill and be as close to God as possible because Jesus had been crucified on it. You and I have, will have many dreams. We'll have many prayers. And even though the dreams that we pray doesn't come out how we want it to, God has something better for us. That's why He's called the Christ, the Anointed One. There's no other like Him. And I pray that tonight you will allow the touch of Jesus Christ to touch your heart. God bless you. Pastor Ron, would you come up and close us in prayer? Thank you, Sheldon. Thank you. Would you go ahead and stand with me? I'm going to do this. I'm going to invite uh, 
our care teams forward. I'm going to pray and invite them to come forward. And if you need someone to pray with you, something that you heard Pastor Sheldon share tonight, stirred your heart, touched you, something you need to pray about in your own life, we want to give you an opportunity to do that because we know the Lord is good and He wants to touch our lives. He continues to do that. You can contact the church office Tuesday through Thursday from 9 to 5 and Fridays from 9 to 3 at 503-266-4444. Please visit us on the web anytime at canbefoursquare.com. Pastor Ron and others on New Life staff, along with occasional guest speakers, trust that the Holy Spirit will use the message to teach you, encourage you, and give you hope.